different things. And we're going to talk about the sluggard today. We're going to talk about uh, the sluggard and go to the ant, thou sluggard. And the Bible lessons that we have from the ant uh, that God has given us uh, through the scriptures. And scripture is an amazing thing. God gives us so many examples of things uh, from nature. Nature is used by God to preach to us through the scriptures. And uh, there are practical things. And I, we're going to talk about some of those things here today. Uh, I didn't get a chance to read. I, I wanted to read uh, something, and I didn't get a chance to read it. But I, I, I wanted to read from uh, Benjamin Keach's book on types and metaphors because I know he would have something very interesting to say. But I didn't get a chance to do that, which is fine. But, but uh, that's a very good book, and he talks about the different types and metaphors of the scriptures. And he will talk about, you know, uh, a man compared to an ant or different things like that, the lessons that God has uh, through there. It's a, it's a really good book. He was a Baptist preacher. Uh, he actually uh, was very instrumental in returning the, the hymns to, to be singing in the Baptist in congregations and churches because they had gotten away because of Roman Catholicism and other things. They had gotten away from uh, sing, the singing of hymns in the churches and, and he was instrumental in uh, repairing the breach, he called it, and that's a book that, that uh, he had and, and uh, that I have somewhere around here, but uh, and that's what he did. But anyway, he was very instrumental in that. He was beaten for the faith. He was abused. He was put in the pillar, pillory, I think it was called in the stocks, right? He was put in there and, and mocked and made fun of because he was a Baptist, of course, that preached the gospel, preached the Bible, and preached against infant baptism, and that'll get you in trouble, right, uh, with the religious order of the day. So that's what happened. Anyway, uh, but we're going to talk about today uh, the sluggard. And really, the Bible lesson that we have on the sluggard is really many spiritual lessons. We, there are some physical lessons. There are some lessons of you and I in our lives not being sluggards and not being lazy. But spiritually speaking, uh, that's really, we're going to kind of bounce between the two. But spiritually, I find that God's people are more spiritually sluggard, uh, sluggers than they are uh, physically. Most of the time, everybody works hard and does the things that they need to do. Uh, out there, but you know what? And we teach children at a young age not to be sluggards, not to be lazy, but to get up to work, to do things, to, to learn things. And, and uh, I, I thank God I, I see a lot of what the children do here and the different things, and I'm encouraged by that. You know, some are, they're working with wood or they're, you know, baking and cooking and working outside and building things and all kinds of hunting and trapping and all kinds of different things. And the ladies are doing so many different things that they're learning with crafts and all kinds of things like that. Just being industrious and continuing. And that's what God wants us to be. Idle people get into trouble. Busy people, you know, you don't really ask idle men to do things for you. They don't really do it. You ask busy men to do things for you and they get it done. They just do. Uh, you know, we're all busy. We all have you know, work that we have to get done. But when it comes to preaching, it's the busy men that'll show up to preach, right? They're busy. They got stuff to do. They got, they got, they got work to do. They, they, and they're not short on anything, right? But they show up to tract or to preach or to do anything. They're faithful, right? You ask busy people to do things. Idle people tend to not get things done. Busy people get things done. They, they just do. They have to. That's just the way they live their lives. So it's important to be busy in the right things also. But uh, anyway, Proverbs chapter 6, and uh, we look at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. 
Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. We're going to stop there because we will pick up talking about the sluggard more. We're not going to finish that today. We won't get through everything on the sluggard today. But we will as just comparable, comparing the ant and the sluggard to, the, uh, to the, what the ant, what you should be, what you and I should be, industrious in whatever it is we do. Uh, don't mistake also time of meditation and, and other things like that as being lazy or being idle. That's not being idle. You understand that. Being idle is nothing to do. Sitting down, reading, studying, <laughs> relaxing even for a while, that's not sinful. That's not wrong. God's not telling you that you, you, know, you can never relax. He's not telling you you should never do that. No, 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 that's not. It's this, our lives, what we teach young people, young, our lives are about work. Now, that doesn't mean just working for some man. It means working for the Lord. Our lives are about work. It, it, it's not, but it's not just like, I don't mean that to say that you should be gone 90 hours a week and never see your family. That, I don't, I don't want, I, in fact, you'll hear from me if that's what you do, because I'll be like, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't forsake your family to make a buck. That's a dangerous way to live. You'll watch your family grow up around you and you won't be raising them. They'll just grow up. I don't want you to fall for that trap. I want you to work hard and be good at what you do. And, and, and that's, that's character, right? But also, you know what? You're to be in the service of the king. That's, that's what we do too. There's, there's work to be done for the Lord. And that's our lives. And boy, I'll tell you what, if you're working 80 hours a week, you'll never be able to do anything for the Lord in that sense. Right? You won't be able to. You won't be able to do anything. You'll be too busy with... Uh, the affairs of this life to be able to do that. So God doesn't want you doing that either. There's a, there is a balance there. And the Bible says a false balance is what? An abomination to the Lord, right? So you don't want to find out that you, your kids never saw you. You get to the end of life, like, man, they don't even know who I am. That's not good. Your wife won't know who you are either. And that's why when children get raised and they grow up, and what happens is they get out of the house, you see, fam you see husbands and wives get divorces. Well, why does that happen? It happens in some Christian churches. Why does that happen? Shouldn't happen in churches, by the way. Shouldn't happen among saved people, right? I understand lost people. I understand what the world does. Shouldn't happen to us. As walking with the, in the fear of the Lord, two people that are saved shouldn't happen, right? We can get through anything. God will get us through anything. Getting you through it, isn't he? Amen? So, but, but here's, here's the, why it happens. They don't know each other. They spend their whole lives, the 30 years, their kids get older. They don't even know it. Then they look around each other like, I don't even know you. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. You don't do that. So, you know, there's a, there's a bad, this world will abuse you, use you, and spit you out. It will use up every bit of labor you have, every bit of strength you have, every bit of ingenuity you have, every bit of power you have, and burn it out of you. So there, there is a balance to this that you have to have, because if you're not right with that balance, you'll get carried away. You'll get taken. You can get taken very easily with it. And that's what this world pushes. It pushes that. That's Satan's system. He pushes that. So we have to push back against that. 
we have to have a, a proper balance of having good character, good work ethic, good things, but also understanding that our main work is heavenly. You know, if you get to the end of your life and you never made a ton of money and you never had all, but your children were raised for the Lord and they know God, then you've been victorious. Amen. You can go home. You can go home in peace. Right? Because I gave them what they needed. That's important. Father, Lord, thank you. Please bless us now as we look into the scriptures here and look into this subject. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, Proverbs warns frequently about the danger of the sluggard. It's one of the major themes of this book, like over and over again, verse after verse, because human nature tends towards this sin. By human nature, man, we can be lazy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Yesterday, it was cold. I'm just being real with you, okay? I don't like cold weather. Some of you guys like it. I don't like it. I hate it. Like, I I hate it. But you know what? Every single one of us, all these people are mad at us because we're preaching the gospel out there, and they're like, you guys are this and this and this, and they're telling us all kinds of things about what we are and why we're there and what we're doing and everything else. And we're just like, man, it's cold out here. Do you think we really want? I'd rather sit on my warm couch and do nothing. I'd rather sit around my family and not go and be like, man, I don't want to go there. I don't want to drive two hours from my house up to Anoka to preach at a Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, uh, Halloween, same thing, ha Halloween parade, right? I mean, we don't, I mean, we're not like, this isn't fun in that sense, right? It's not like they're having fun. We have the joy of the Lord to go be obedient to God, right? There's a difference. So I'm not, I'm not begrudging it. I'm just saying, like, if you ask us what our flesh wanted to do, like not get out of bed yesterday, right? So when people tell me, I, I, I'm going to tell you something that I grew, I was saved under hardcore fundamentalist. Okay, that's what, and I thank God for those men, by the way. Amen. I don't agree with everything they ever did, but I'll tell you something. I am thankful for those men because you know what they taught me? Get up and get it done. Just get up and get it done. You just get up and get what you got to get done. Like, you know, what do you mean you don't feel good? What's that got to do with anything? What do you, what do you mean you don't, well, I don't feel good. Yeah. What, when do, do you, are there times you actually feel good? I mean, like, I mean, well, I don't, I don't feel good. Great. Thanks for telling me how you feel, but we got work to do. I'm serious. That's not like I didn't. When I was trained in the ministry, it was like, we just get up and go. I mean, I mean, we're sitting there sliding sideways on a bus. Boyd Lindbergh's driving the bus in Rosemont. And this thing's sliding like this. I'm like, man, we're really going to the bus route, man. This thing's going, we're got to pick them kids up. I'm like, okay, we going to make it? We better get some weight in this thing real quick. It's like sliding sideways down the road and Boyd's, he drives this old man. He's like he's like seventy five years old and seventy some years old. Old, driving it like a big bus full of a bunch of kids. And my pastor, the one that I got saved under, he's just like, well, you just show up. Like he didn't miss nothing. That old man didn't miss nothing. He's just there. Amen. And that's just that's those are the men that so. 
Like they didn't have that in them like there was actually a reason. Like they didn't look for a reason not to be there. They they looked for reasons to get it done. They were they weren't spiritual sluggards, man. They weren't. They might have been wrong about some stuff, but I'll tell you what, their work ethic was unbelievable. Like they didn't it sniffle or a cold, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, you got a cold. Got some nasal drainage, great. <laughs> get get going, what are you doing? So that's why I don't like like when somebody, I, I don't like lose it. Like I, I just like, whatever, I got to do what I got to do. I mean, you don't call in, you crawl in. <laughs> right? To me, it's the Lord's work is the most important work there is. Like if, if anything, I'm going to give everything I got. It ain't going to be for the devil's work. It's going to be for God's. <laughs> I'll give it all until there ain't nothing left. So anyway, but, but the Bible speaks of idleness and spiritual, spiritual idleness is the most, one of the most dangerous things. Spiritual slothfulness. We can't be spiritual sloths. We've got to be, we, we, we've got to be uh, on our toes, right? That word sloth, it means slowness, lazy. It's the opposite of being diligent or constant. Constant exertion. Diligence is the opposite of slothfulness, right? And slothfulness or idleness is, is, uh, is slow to do something. Lazy. Spiritually lazy. I know a lot of people that go work a 12-hour day, but they won't open their Bible. Right? That's, you can't be spiritually lazy. You got to work on the new man. You got it. It's not natural. People tell me, people think, well, it's natural. No, it ain't natural. What's natural to you and I is to walk in the flesh. You've been doing it for ever since you were born. Right? So that's natural. That's what's natural. And you're, you, sometimes you are so awestruck by the fact that your flesh doesn't want to do something holy. And I'm like, well, why are you so surprised that you have to fight against everything in your flesh when the Bible says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh? It's a war, but I'm supposed to have warm fuzzies about everything. Well, I don't know where you're living, but it ain't reality. Because you're not gonna, it's a battle, it's a war. And you can't be lazy. There's people that can be diligent about everything else, but their walk with God. They'll be diligent about their finances. They'll be diligent about, and all those things matter in a Christian, being a Christian. But listen, the actual spiritual workings and the and, and and being faithful to God and doing the things that they're lax on, and we can't be. We can't be lax on those things. The characteristics of a sluggard: the sluggard is slothful and is not diligent. He does only what he has to do. He deals with a slack hand. Proverbs 10.4. The Bible says he becometh poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Now that's a principle. It is true that, you know, people that won't work hard usually don't 
don't turn out very well financially. But I want you to look at this spiritually because there's two applications here. Right? Spiritually poor. That are slack. They don't work on the new man. They don't work on their, their walking in the spirit. It says walking. It doesn't say floating. It doesn't say waiting in the spirit. You're walking. It's work. It's work. The Bible says he hides his hand in his bosom in Proverbs chapter 19. Verse number 24. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Slothful, lazy. We have to teach our children young also that they don't be lazy, that they're not lazy. They, you know, uh, one thing I've noticed about young people when they, especially when they get near their teens, it's like they, they seem like their brains shut off or they go somewhere else, like they kind of like float somewhere else. I don't know where they go, but they don't quite, they're not quite there with you. Like in reality, they're, they're kind of like, I don't know, on Mars with Elon Musk's ship or something. I don't, they're, they're gone. They're not quite there. And it's like, you have to bring them back to reality. No, remember? No. Okay, focus. Okay, focus. Because sometimes they just like, they can't. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Hormonal and all kinds of stuff that children go through, right? But I'm just saying that it's there. It's, it's a reality. And you have to like get them to focus. So dad's like, come on, pay attention, <laughs> right? It's like, come on, pay attention to what you're doing here, yep. right? Sometimes you have to do that. You have to like, come on, wake up. Pay attention to what's going on here right around you. Because why? You're teaching them that they got to pay attention. They, gotta, they can't be slothful. And they have to be, they have to be industrious. They, have to, they can't be slothful in their lives. Because whether you're, uh, you know, going to be a mother someday or a, wi a wife or a mother someday or a, or a husband, a father, a work, you know, you're, you're, no one works harder than, than, than uh, you will in whatever area of life you're in. You're going to work hard. Mothers have to work hard. Fathers have to work hard. Husbands and wives have to work hard. Life is, is about work in that sense, spiritually and, you know, the day-to-day the -day tasks that we have as well. We, we, we can't be slothful. We have to be diligent in all that we do because we are the ones that are to be the testimony for others out there. God's people have to be the greatest examples on this earth. Not of what the world expects, but what God does. I don't care what the world tells me my children are supposed to be. I care what the Bible says that my children are supposed to be. Amen. I, I could care less what the world says about that. I care what God's word says. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. He does not even roast that which he takes in hunting. Uh, Proverbs 12, 27. The Bible warns against that, right? The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. But the substance of a diligent man is precious. So somebody that's a hard worker doesn't waste the things that they have, right? They're, they're, they're trying to be diligent to take care of the things they have. So if they, if they shoot that squirrel, right, Garrick, they're going to eat that squirrel, right? Right? 
or make or coon you make coon fat candles right you wasted none of that man that's right coon fat candles that's the first time I ever heard that in my life I didn't know anybody could make coon fat candles until Cindy made coon fat candles I didn't know that was possible I never forgot that it was like seven years ago I never forgot about coon fat candles like stuck in my brain forever Every once in a while, I was like, man, do you remember them coon fat candles? I remember those. Anyway. But you roast what you have, right? You take care of the things that you have. We teach, we learn that, right? We, we teach our children not to waste. We teach them to be thankful for what they have. And, and that God has provided that. That's the hand of the diligent. It's the difference in the sluggard, right? It's the hand of those that are diligent. And we want to be those diligent people. You know, money, though earned through by the sweat of his brow, simply slips through his fingers. On the spiritual side, the Christian sluggard gets baptized, may join the church, but he doesn't dig in with all of his strength to serve the Lord. He deals in spiritual matters with a slack hand. There are a lot of people out there that I believe are saved people that are not walking with God right now and serving God and being faithful in their church. Getting to a good, uh, good Bible-believing Baptist church, serving the Lord, being faithful to God, and walking with God, right? Being diligent to do those things. They're, they're squandering their lives. If you don't serve God in this world, if you don't serve God, if you don't follow the Lord, you're squandering your life. I don't care how successful you have, and I don't care how much money you have. You are squandering your life if you don't serve the Lord. It doesn't matter how much money you make and any of those other things if you don't serve the Lord Amen. as God's people. It, it won't matter a bit. You know, we are to be diligent. That means we act on purpose. This Christian life is no accident. We are saved by grace through faith. But no man accidentally serves God. He does it on purpose. Not one of you in this room is going to serve God on accident. It will be done on purpose. It's with purpose in your heart. You don't just fall into serving God. You, you, you surrender to the Lord, right? And you say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do what you, what you want me to do. I'm going to be the, the, the child of God that you want me to be, an obedient servant of the Lord. You don't do it by accident. It's not, you're not just going to fall into it. You are going to serve the Lord by a diligent hand, with a diligent hand and on purpose. It won't happen any other way. People do things. I hear so many people say they're going to try to do something. Don't try to do it, just do it. People that try to do it rarely do it. When you tell me you're going to try to do something, I understand there's some caveats, caveats to that. I, I get that, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that's not possible. But generally speaking... When someone uh, alludes to you the fact that, especially when it's something they struggle with, right, they're really not decided that they're going to do it. When somebody tells me they're going to try to do something, I, you're, it means you're not, you're, not, you're not decided to do it. Right? That's a politician, right? You, you're not decided. You haven't surrendered to that. You're not going to do it. Because until you say, you know what, by God's grace, I am going to do what I need to do. 
When I find out in my Christian life that I'm wrong about something, and whether it's in my family, my home, privately speaking, I don't say, well, I'm going to try to fix that. No, I say, God, it's over. I repent. I'm getting it right. Amen. It's done. Don't give me that garbage about trying. It's not. That's not what we do. We do as God's people. We don't just try and make excuses. When you tell me, well, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to read my Bible. I'm going to try to pray. No, do it. Do it. You don't have to try. You don't try to eat. You eat. You're about ready to sit down for a meal in a little while. Maybe a little longer if I keep going. But you're, you're going to, and, and you know what? You're not going to try to eat. Oh, I'm going to try to eat. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to walk by your table and be like, are you trying to eat or are you eating? Drop, try to eat. Oh. Oh, that's right, that's the sluggard. No. Yeah, try, you do it. You don't make excuses. You do it on purpose. You serve God on purpose. You walk with God on purpose. And with purpose. That's what we don't we don't make excuses. We make things happen. And I'm not saying in our own power. It's the grace of God. I'm not claiming any power of my own. I'm saying that when you get saved by the grace of God and you ask God, and if God has commanded you to do something, then he's given you the power to do it already. That's what he said in his word. I'm depending on him. I'm, that is me walking by faith. Do you get it? Walking by faith is not some fairy tale romance garbage from some stupid book. Walking by faith is simple. God tells me to do something, I do it by faith. That's that's what that means. That's simple. It that's simple. It's not complex. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, if you're if you're God's child, you can do it. And if you're being lazy, God's going to show you you're being lazy. And you don't want to do it. Because that's most of the time what it is. Rebellious children say things like, well, I'm going to try. No, you're going to do it. If you're going to walk with God, then you're going to do it. You're not going to try. Because God gives us power. And I, I believe that. Like, you couldn't talk me out of it. Because I know what I was before I was saved. <laughs> and I know what God's done in me since I've been saved. And what he continues to do. And no, that don't mean I've been perfect, because I haven't. That's why I got to repent, get right with God, and say, Lord, I'm done. I'm doing that. It's not saying you're not going to fail sometimes. It's saying, but you're not going to spend your life saying, well, I'll try. When somebody tells me that, I, I tend to not believe what they're saying to me. They're not serious. Because broken people that know they're wrong and want to be right with God, they don't, they're not like, I'll try. They're like, no, I'll do it. Because that's what God tells me to do. I'm going to do it. Amen. It's important. You know, none, young people, you need uh, direction and constant care. Young Christians do as well. But you should desire to be faithful. And to work on your own spiritual life. That's one thing that you ought to do. You ought to desire, desire to work on your own spiritual life and not depend on others in that sense. Yes, you have overseers. The ant has none. 
but you have one. You have others. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that are there to help you. You have a pastor to help you. You have others. But the sluggard is one who wastes time and, and opportunities and doesn't plan ahead and work hard to fulfill wise objectives. They're not self-motivated, diligent in the important issues of life, but must have someone ruling over him and telling him what to do. When out from under this authority, when left to themselves, they put off and neglect the important things. Many people do that. They don't. Now, we all do need each other and we all need accountability. That's why God gave us one another. That's what the local church is for, is to be accountable one to another, to love one another, to edify one another, to build each other up in our most holy faith. That's what God has commanded. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that. That's the purpose of the church. That's the reason that we're here. But at the same time, you're to be diligently working on your own spiritual life. Right? If you're studying, the, you're to be reading the scriptures, you're to be praying, you're to be walking with God, you're to be seeking God's face. You've got to be motivated to do that. Spiritually, we're to be like the ant. You know, God refers us to nature for great illustrated truths. He shows us the great, he says, look at this little ant. You see this little ant right here? You're, you're a man that I made in my image. But look at this little ant, and look at how this little ant works. And he's, telling, he's using it to correct flaws in us. Look, I created this ant. I wrote it into their DNA. I wrote it into their makeup to be able to do the things. Guess what? God wrote it in your makeup to be able to do things too, both, both physically and spiritually. When you were born again, regenerated, right? Regene, that's right. You were given new genes from above, and you have the new man. So guess what? God wrote it in the new man for you to be able to adapt to whatever comes your way. See, how are these adaptations in, you know, the evolutionists try to attack and say, well, look at these adaptations, look at these things that happen. Say, well, God wrote it in their DNA to be able to adapt. Guess what? God wrote it in your spiritual DNA to be able to adapt too. That means that he wrote victory into your DNA. How about that? That whatever comes your way, you're going to be able to do by faith spiritually because if it wasn't the case then he wouldn't have do it he wouldn't let it happen to you it's that simple that's the lesson that he's he's showing us he's taking us to the smallest creature god uses this small example of a creature to reprove us and to show us that we have no right to be sluggards we have no right to be spiritual sloths we have no right to back off of what god has called us to do or not to work diligently or hard. We have no excuse. Because look at the ant. Look what, look what the ant does. The sluggard is exhorted to follow the example of the ant. God has imparted wisdom to that little ant, and he's ready to impart much greater wisdom to the individual who loves God's word and wants to serve him. If you love God's word, you'll have all the wisdom you need. I mean that. I, I, I'm going to say it to you again. If you take this book right here, and I mean this one in my hand, this King James Bible. This is what, I don't want you to be confused, this one right here. If you take this book and you love God's Word, and you put this book in front of everything and before everything, and you live your life by this book, you will not lack wisdom. God will give it to you. You just have to ask for it. And you have to ask God to show you. And He'll give it to you. I don't go to the world for wisdom. I don't go, I don't look at their philosophies. I don't look at their, of, the, uh, of any of their, their, their plans and their schemes and everything else. I don't go to that. 
I go to this book if I need answers. Because I know it's going to give me the answers that I need. Amen. And the answers will be perfect. And I weigh what everyone else tells me out in the world, which may be some decent advice. But I weigh it by what this book says. And if it's found in the balances, if it's found wanting, then guess what? I throw it out and I believe what God's Word says. No matter what I see before me. See, sometimes you are taken by temporal circumstances. You look at the temporal circumstances of things around you, and you will tend to believe that over God's Word. Because you see, well, I see this right in front of me. That's like the Bible warns us, don't envy the wicked. You're looking at their results, and you think, oh, this is good. You're not looking at their end. God says, I wrote the end of that. What happens to them? Look at the end of what God says happens to the wicked and the oppressor and those other men. Don't look at their temporal, uh, their temporal blessings right now or their temporal uh, uh, care right now or, or what's going on, their circumstances. Those are fleeting and those are going to change. You look at what I said the end of that man will be. That's what you hold to. That's what you believe. You believe what God says. That's what I have to. I've seen a lot of bad things in the ministry. I've seen a lot of men uh, turn. I've seen a lot of men do some bad things and walk away and all these other things. And, but I don't know the end of what that's all going to be. You don't. None of us do. We don't know. But I do know the end of those that turn their back on God. I know the end of false prophets. I know the end of it. Why? Because God says it. So I don't look at their, their temporal... Uh, blessings now or the things that they have now, their, their wealth or, or their prestige or their honor or any of those other things that the world gives them. I don't look at that now. I look at the end. Children, learn to do that. When you see people out there and you think, oh, their life seems like it's much easier than mine because they're not going through the things I am and they have all this stuff and they get to do this and they get to do that. Yeah, but just remember the end. God tells you what the end of that is, where that leads. No matter what your eyes are before your eyes, God says, this is how it's going to end. Never forget that. Wisdom does that. Wisdom looks at that and says, you know what? This is what God says is going to happen to that. And I ain't getting anywhere near any of that. I'm going to stay away from that because it's bad. Amen? The ant works without oversight. She doesn't wait until someone tells her what to do and when to do it. She doesn't have to have somebody standing over her at all times, encouraging her and exhorting her and guiding her. She's self-motivated and self-ruled. The Christian must also be self-motivated to serve Christ regardless of whether or not he has proper oversight or proper help. Your pastor not being perfect is no excuse for you not to serve the Lord. Right? Your pastor not doing everything that you think that he ought to do or this or that. The overseer that God has given you uh, is flawed and therefore, well, I don't have to do this. Or my husband doesn't do this. So therefore, because my husband doesn't do this, then I don't have to do this. No. Not at all. The overseer that God's given you or your husband or anybody else, no, they're not perfect. But that doesn't give you a right not to obey God. You're still commanded to obey God. You're still commanded to follow the Lord and to be obedient. Regardless, you're commanded to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You're commanded to continue on. You're commanded to be faithful to God. 
We all are. If this church folded up tomorrow, then you know what? You're still commanded to go serve God somewhere else, to go organize another one, to go get, a, to go get it and, and to organize another, whatever the Lord would have you to do. But you are still commanded to serve God. You are still commanded to, to be faithful to God. You are, not, you are not commanded to walk away because somebody else doesn't do something right. You have to answer to God. You have to stand before God and you have to be faithful to God. Amen. That's what God's commanded you to do. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And it's, it's to be ruled properly. It's supposed to be uh, handled properly. Elders are supposed to handle things properly. Pastors are supposed to handle things properly. But sometimes, you know, things aren't perfect. But that doesn't mean you have an excuse. I mean, many times they're not perfect. We're all men. By the way, another important thing for you to understand is that, that in this work of the church, there's work for you to do. There's work for everyone to do. God has something for everyone to do. We all have duties. We all have work. We all have responsibilities. We all have things that we're supposed to do. None of us are exempted from, from that. None of us are exempted from uh, witnessing. None of us are exempted from being good uh, witnesses of the manifold grace of God, telling others about Jesus Christ. None of us are exempt from doing the things that God has called us to do. We're not allowed to be sluggards. We're not allowed to be lazy and unprofitable and idle. You don't want to waste your life. Don't squander your life. That's the one thing that we learned from the ant. The ant works while there is opportunity. She goes about with a steadfast purpose to store up her food in the summer in preparation for winter. She knows that it will not always be summer. She looks ahead with discretion and lives in the present with the future in mind. And the Bible often warns about this life that it is brief. And what is done for Christ must be done now or it will be too late. We don't have time to sit around and wait for everything to go right politically or, or anything else like that. We got to go. We got to work now. Right. Yep. It's never going to be right politically. That's right. We're steamrolling down to an antichrist kingdom. It's going to rule the whole world. Yep. That's just the way it's going. And we have to serve the Lord. There's plenty of work for us to do. The Bible warns us about how brief life is. Children, use the advantages that you have now. Use the opportunities. Don't squander your opportunities to serve God now. Don't say, I'll wait till I'm old. You may not be old. Right. You may die. Right. You serve the Lord now. You be faithful to God now, and it all starts with faithfulness right at home. Amen. We, we say that charity begins at home, right? That love and that charity, that biblical charity, it begins at home. It begins with the ones that you're around. It begins with the relationships that you have now. It begins with the family that you have now. And then it spreads and blossoms from there. Don't tell me how good of a Christian you are if you can't get along with your husband and wife. If you can't walk together in unity, you better, you better, that charity must begin with you too before you go try to export it off to somebody else. You better get that right first. Amen. You better get working on that. You better get working on building, building your relationship and your marriage and, and your family and strengthening them and loving one another. You work on that. That's your main work. Don't get stars in your eyes for some other work. Do the work that's in front of you. The most important work that's in front of you. It's right, what's right at your fingertips, right at your hand, right at your heart, right there. Work as diligently as you can with the work that you have in front of you. What God has given you.
People that don't work on the things that are right in front of them to fix, they're not going to fix anything else either. Because those things are the most important things that God has given you and put in your, in your life right away, right there to fix now, to work on now. So don't neglect those things. Don't neglect those opportunities. Childhood has its opportunities, but it's short. Youth has its opportunities, but it's short. Young adulthood has its opportunities, but it's short. Midlife has its opportunities, but it's short. And old age has its opportunities, but it's short. It's fleeting. Our lives are, like I, like I said, within 100 years, every, there's a good chance everyone in this room will be dead. Now we, Lord willing, we'll all be in heaven, but, amen, but, but our bodies are going to fall to the earth within 100 years of right now. Mostly everybody will be dead. That's how short life is. So the opportunities that you have now, that are before you now, don't be a slugger, don't waste. Young people, if you would be virtuous, be busy. Be busy. If you, would be, if you would be vicious, then be idle. There's no more men that I've seen, the most vicious men that I've ever experienced in my life. And I've had them in this ministry there. Oh, I'm telling you. When I, and by the way, that quote I got from something that I read, but I've, I've, I've seen this. <laughs> All right. But they lay up on their beds at night and they dream up things to do to others. Why? Because they're idle. We've seen them here, haven't we? We watched them. They devised the most wicked things, the wicked plans on their bed and wicked designs. I mean, to just to dream up those things and to execute those plans and to treat people like that and to evil surmise about them and to plan to ruin people's lives. I, I just, it, it baffles me. Like, to, 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 to think about that, 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 uh, years ago, like somebody spent the time to dream up all those things to put together like a three hour video of trying to destroy people's lives. Like that is demonic. <laughs> that is devilish. That is the absolute epitome of, of devil possession in my mind. Because you're sitting up in your bed and planning to destroy. Like who who under the name of Christ plans to destroy people's lives? Like nobody. You just walk away and be like, whoa, I'm out of here. If I don't agree with somebody or if I, if I can't get along or if I can't, then I just leave. I'm not going to like this. I'm not trying to kill. I'm not trying to hurt people. Right? But that's, that's what vicious people do that are idle. You know when you can't do that? When you're working like 50 hours a week and you're trying to provide for a family and take care of them, and then you go home and you have work to do there, and you're trying to and you're trying to read your Bible and pray and 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 just and have some sort of relaxation and a busy week and all those other things going, you don't got time to do it. You don't got time to destroy people. Like you don't have any time. If you find your young people, listen. And this is a good lesson, and, and I'm starting, like, with my house especially, too. But if you find your young people, I mean the, the, the boys and girls running around, if they have time to be mischievous, what you're not realizing is that they're idle. They're not working. That's why they're mischievous. So what do you do? You find something for them to do, productive for them to do. 
And then guess what? Well, they ain't got time to do that. <gasps> well, that's a principle in Proverbs. It is. Well, you didn't think it, it applied to midgets either? Midgets got to work. Midgets need to eat too, right? So little people got to work too, don't they? Little people got stuff to do. If they got time to be mischievous, it means, guess what, mom, dad, you say, well, they're fighting and they're arguing. They're not getting, okay, well, what does that mean? Get them working. Yeah, you can, you, you can give them a whooping too, but you get them working. Because the problem is not them, it's you. You're managing them. You're allowing them to do whatever. They're not busy. Make them work. Guess what? That goes away. And you get a perfect example of a wicked man that understood this principle. Pharaoh. He was a wicked man. He was wrong. But that don't mean he didn't understand the principle of that, because he did. Right? He understood what he said. You're idle. You're idle. That's why you want to do this. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you to work. You're going to go gather your own straw. Now, he was a tyrant. I'm not saying be a tyrant. Unless they're really bad. No, I'm just kidding. But, 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 but you put them to work, right? And he understood that. But Proverbs tells us that. That, I mean, if they have time, to, they'll be vicious. If you see them being, then put them to work. By the way, don't make work bad for them like they hate it. You don't have to do that. You just show them this is life. And if you're going to, you know, guess what? You're not busy enough. You know, when I find the biggest trouble that I ever have with my brains is if I'm not busy. You ever have that problem? Like you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're letting your mind go to, you're not busy. Your mind, you're letting your mind be idle and you're not busy. That's why the most important thing you could do for people that are depressed and that have issues like that is get them doing something. Why? Because it's the time that they have to think about it that needs to be minimized because their brain is like a motor that is continuing to roll. It won't stop. So you got to get them focused on something. And they're too idle. They got too much time to sit around and think. So you got too much time to be depressed. Well, you don't need that much time to be depressed. So you got to go to work. Right? And you get busy. So that's what I did when I was going through that depression in 2018 when I started that or 78, 18, I think it was. And for years I, I battled that. I upped everything that I was doing. Man, I prayed longer. I read more books. I, I preached longer. You're like, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> I, right? I did more, broad, I added more broadcasts than I ever did. I added three a week. I was like, I'm just doing, I'm just going to keep going. And God used it, right? Amen. And God helped me through those things. But that's what we have to do. We can't, you don't need time to sit around. You don't need time to be idle. It's being a sluggard. And you're, you're, I'm not saying you're doing it on purpose to be lazy, but you're allowing it to take you over. And you cannot do that. Go help somebody. Paul's got a ton of wood to chop, man. Right? You'd be like, oh, you got mind problems? Come on out here. I'll give you an axe. Right? Well, some of you. Maybe others he wouldn't give an axe to. I don't know. Depends on, depends on how bad your mind problems are. <laughs> if you got some really bad mind problems, he might not want to hand you an axe. <laughs> I even fail What's that? I even fail on purpose. Yeah. I got wood to cut, but right. I need to be here. Right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
We could. We got all kinds of things that we could do, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's planned, isn't it? It's planned. We know. And God always seems to provide everything that we need when we serve Him. Not a one of us is hurting for anything that we need. Amen. That's God's grace. That's God's goodness. If you serve Him, God will take care of everything you need. He will take care of everything you need. That's what God told me years ago, too. He, he, he reminded me of that when I was going through everything. He said, you just, but Lord, they're dragging my name through the mud. All this stuff is happening. He said, don't worry about your name. You worry about my name. You just go serve me, and I'll take care of you. Amen. Oh, I'll take care of everything. You just serve me. Amen. That's what I did. I forgot. I was like, ah, I don't care what they say about me. Whatever. Go ahead. I'll just keep serving the Lord. I'll keep being faithful to God. Lo and behold, some of them people apologized. They got right with God. Sent letters, said, I'm sorry. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good, but we got to keep serving the Lord. We got to be diligent in what we do. We look for those opportunities. The ant works to do her part without regard to what others might be doing. You know, many professing Christians are pew sitters and little else. They're not zealous in learning the Bible and teaching others and trying to win souls to Christ. Some think that the work is being done by others, so why should they labor? But we can't do that. We can't afford that. Look at the hours late. It's getting dark out there. We need laborers. Amen. That's why we're teaching these young people. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm encouraged when I look at these young people. You, you look at them, these young men that are rising up and women that are rising up to do things for God. And I, I'm watching them and I watch them like, like uh, Garrick go out and preach. And I'm thinking of 20 years old, right? I'm, uh, Luke going out and tracting and, and Lucius and, and Micah and all these other, these young people getting out there, Peter and getting out there and doing something for God, right? Amen. That's that next generation. And these young ladies learning to serve God, learning to, to be servants and to help others and to, and to cook and to clean and to help others with whatever needs they have at their house and to help with babies and all kinds of other things. Amen? Being a blessing to each other. Serving God, being faithful. Making things. And some of these girls, they make this. I'm like, what in the world is that? How do you do that? I told my daughters, I can't make anything but trouble. I'm good at making trouble, but I can't make anything like that. <laughs> like all artists and stuff. And I'm like, I'm looking at all this stuff. All these ladies are doing They're making all this stuff. And I'm like, I do like a stick man. And he even looks bad. He looks like, the stick man looks like he's ready to die, man. He looks like he's falling over. I'm like, I'm going to do what them girls do. Watch. And it turns into like a stick with like a, I can't do it. I can't draw anything. But anyway, uh, but it's a blessing to see these things, right? And, and, uh, and to watch them rise up and to be, to be diligent and to, and to work and do things and to learn and to grow. And that's, that's what God's made it. That's what God wants us to do. Amen. I, that's encouraging to me to watch that. It just is. To see young people rise up and want to do something for God. It's a blessing. We need it. Right? We're training them to live without us when we die. I mean that. You're training them to live without you one day. Or you're not. I hope you are. Amen? I hope you are. 
I hope you realize that's your work and to be diligent in your work and not to be slack, not to deal with a slack hand, not to take shortcuts in their growth and raising them. Get through the hard lessons, deal with the hard things, say the hard things, have the hard conversations. Just deal with them. Deal with the character flaws, deal with the things that need, deal with your own character flaws. I have to. Face your own character flaws so you can teach them. Use your own character flaws to teach them the things that you've made mistakes on and that you're, that, that you're changing. Amen. By the way, you're not a failure by showing them your flaws. You're just real. And they'll respect that. Children will always forgive your failures and your sins. They will not forgive your hypocrisy. If you hold on to things and don't ever admit you're wrong and don't ever get anything right, they, they'll, it'll bitter them. It'll make them bitter. But if you say, you know what? I failed. I was wrong. I messed up. They'll forgive that. They will. They, they will forgive you. They will not hold on to that. They'll let it go. Because you're being humble. And you show them humility and you teach them humility. I've done it with you. I've told you when I was wrong as a pastor. I've come before you many times and told you when I was wrong. I messed up or I didn't do something right. Or I was short-sighted in something. I didn't see something and I've told you that I was wrong. And I've asked you to forgive me. That's happened. When God revealed things to me. And you have to do that. As a husband and wife, you have to do that. You, you need to do that. There's, I'll tell you what, and none of us walking around perfect. So if either one of you haven't gotten with each other and said, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't handle that right. Please forgive me. I didn't, I didn't speak right. If that never happens, either you really got a good control over your tongue <laughs> or you're deceiving yourself, one of the two, <laughs> right? So talk to each other and get things right. Amen? It's important that we do that. I have to do that with my children. Oop. I was wrong about that. Or I didn't realize something like, because I'm a guy and like dealing with girls sometimes, you, and there's some things you just don't realize. I'm like, I look at my wife and say, did I say that wrong? Was that bad? It's a girl. It's not a boy. Oh, yeah. Which is like, I just have to do what I'm told. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Well, so do they, but it's just different, right? It's different. It's different. Raising girls and raising boys, it's different. Amen? It's different. You know? But uh, anyway. Uh, but, but you ought to, a good question to ask myself. If the whole church were like me, what would the church be? Now, I don't mean that in every, every because all of us are different, right? We all have different gifts that we bring to the body, right? But what I'm, primarily my work ethic as a child of God, as a servant of the Lord, as being a, uh, not being spiritually slothful. If, if everybody was like me, would the church be strong? And not to brag about ourselves. This is between you and the Lord. But what it does is it says, you know what? Am I doing enough for the Lord? Am I doing enough? You know, am I being faithful? Am I helping? I know I, comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. So we're not trying to do that. Well, this guy did this a little bit more than me and I'm better than him because of that. Or No, I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is saying, well, you know, if everybody did the least that they could possibly do, right. we'd all be in trouble. If all of us, whether it's giving of time, giving of money, giving of resources, giving of help, giving of aid, you know, to others, what, whatever it is, any of those things, if I said, well, I'll do the bare minimums of everything I have to do. Well, that's not good. 
We got to do what God wants us to do, right? So whatever that is, sometimes that's more, sometimes that's less. But but we have to we have to, you know, get along with God and get that right. The ant works regard without regard to her small size and seeming insignificance in the larger scheme of things. The ant is very small but works very hard. So sometimes you can, you know, you can compare yourself and you can look at it and you can say, well, I don't have all these talents. I don't have all these, I, I don't have all the advantages. I don't have all these, uh, so I can't do what other people can do because of, of who I am or what I am or where I am. But that's not how the ant works. The ant works, I mean, you couldn't tell that ant that it couldn't do something, right? It works and it gets it done. You watch them sometimes. You see them carrying a Cheeto. You can almost hear them going, oh, we... Oh, we, oh, right, remember that? <laughs> you can almost hear them carrying that Cheerio, and they're like, they're like, like you couldn't tell that ant, you can't move that Cheerio, or that, or that Cheeto, you can't move that Cheeto, no way you're going to get that thing moved. Man, they're moving that whole thing, they're, they're like Gulliver's Travels, right? They got that, they got a bug, and they're all carrying it, they got it all, they got it all strapped down, and they're carrying it away to eat it. It's like, how do they do that? Because nobody told them they couldn't do it. They were just like, well, we got to get it done. You're right. Right. So you and I, you know, we sing that song, Little is Much When God is in It. Amen. You know, and it, it doesn't matter what you, we're not to despise the day of small things, Zechariah 4.10 tells us. Right. Don't despise the day of small things. That's right. Everything matters. Everything matters to God. Everything that we give, everything that we do, every effort that we put forth, we labor not in vain. So whatever we do for the Lord, it's blessed. Amen. The body of Christ requires the labor of every member, regardless of how seemingly feeble or insignificant they are in their own eyes. Now, they're not feeble and insignificant to us, to me as a pastor, but to you and yourself, you think that way. But I don't think that way. God doesn't think that way, but you think that way. And there are some members that are feeble. That means weaker in a sense, but that doesn't mean that they're, they're less than less of Christians. Turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're almost done here. Romans chapter 12. Verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. That's serving. That's not waiting like, I'll wait to do something. That's not what that means. It means being a waiter, right? Like I'm a waiter. They're not... Right? I'm waiting on somebody. I'm serving somebody. Not like when you're waiting for your wife to get into the car or something like that. No, it's like, or waiting for your wife to stop spending money at the store. No, it's not that. It's like waiting means that you're serving, right? Right? Not the same, not the same thing. Or waiting for your daughter. Yeah, that, that, right? Scott, that's not the same thing, is it? But uh, no, it's waiting for service, right? It's serving, all right? Or ministry, let us wait on our... By the way, it says here, uh, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to... That's preaching, right? That's preaching according to the purpose of faith, right? Uh, so whatever, you know, I, all preachers are not the same. We have, we have a number of different uh, preachers that go out and preach on the streets, right? Everybody's different. Everybody has different uh, gifts and abilities and everything else, but, right? But God uses each one. He uses each one. 
or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. So serving, a minister is a servant. We minister. We're all ministers. Everyone in this room is a minister. You're a servant, or you should be, right? You're to minister to others' needs, right? All of us are. Now, some may, you know, there's different stations of that, but all of us, man, woman, or child, you're all ministers. We're all servants, right? That's, that's what he's talking about here. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And then turn to, lastly here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12 through 27. Some of the gifts here. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So God has each one a member of the body, each one that is a member uh, of that local body here, like he is teaching us. And because of that, they have different gifts. They have different abilities. They have different places. You know, some are the eyes, some are the ears, some are the, it's just like a body fit together, compacted, jointly compacted, right? Fitly and jointly compacted together. I'm messing that up. But anyway, that's in Ephesians chapter four. But, but anyway, the body is like that, right? And God put it together. That it, that, that it should work together. So there are different places. Now, you know, the eye is not the hand and the hand is not the eye. Uh, so everything is different. So don't try to be something God didn't make you to be either and then be discouraged if you're not that, right? Uh, be what God has made you to be and be blessed by what God has given you the opportunity, the ability, and has blessed you with grace to become, amen? And But all of us have a work to do and we have no right to be lazy in our own with our own character with our own life in our own work but also in spiritual matters we are, we we are not to be sluggards we're to take our we're to take that zeal like the ant has 
that nothing stops that ant from accomplishing what it needs to do. It doesn't say, well, everything around me is bigger than me and more intimidating. Here's one thing that people do. Well, they use fear. They say, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do this or I'm afraid to do that. Well, fear is no reason for you to be disobedient. You, you aren't allowed to use fear to be disobedient to God. You say, God has commanded you to do something. Well, I'm afraid. Well, fear is no reason. You obey God no matter what. You follow the Lord no matter what. You do what God tells you to do no matter what. Fear is not an excuse. I know people that use, they'll use fear as an excuse so they don't have to be, they don't have to do what God wants them to do. They allow it to consume them. You're not allowed to do that. You're commanded to obey God. You're not allowed to use fear. You're not, things are bigger. The ant is very small. Well, everything around the ant's bigger than the ant. But do you ever see the ant? Even when men are walking around them and they're carrying that food and they're doing that work, like they don't, they don't care that you're around them. They just keep working. You're going to have giants and you're going to have things. You're going to have big, big things in your life. You're going to have struggles and trials and everything around your life. And you can't use that as an excuse to be a sluggard and to be lazy and to not work and to be idle and to, and to not serve the Lord because of the enemies are big. Everything is, everything is against me. Uh, I have all these trials. I have all these challenges. I have all these things. I have my mind. I have fear. I have anxiety. I have all these other... Well, yeah. You still have to serve the Lord. You're still commanded to be faithful to God no matter what you're going through. That's the one thing that, that God taught me. One of the things that God taught me through all those things is that, you know what? No matter what, I, I just want you, I want you to follow me. I want you to obey me. You serve me. That's what I want you to do. If it's the darkest that it ever gets in your mind and in your heart, it doesn't matter. You serve me. I want you to believe me. You believe me above everything else. You follow me no matter what. Otherwise, you can make excuses to be a sluggard. And they'll always have one. There's a thousand excuses. You know, we'll talk about some of those next week. There's a lion in the way. Right? All kinds of things. We'll cover more of that next week. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the lessons you give us from this simple ant. Lord, help us to humble ourselves and see what you have for us. and Forgive us, Lord, for our failures. Forgive us for being sluggards at times, both physically and spiritually. Help us to work on those things and to do things right. Help us to get things right that are wrong. And help us to determine in our hearts by the grace of God that we will do what you've commanded us to do. And help us to work, Lord, for the night is coming. Help us to win souls. Help us to be faithful. And walk with you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.